welcome back to They Made Another One. Where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out all for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Liam. Hello. And Mitch. Hello, hello. I like how we've got like an increasing number of hellos. Like, is next week going to be Liam says like, hello, hello, hello. And then you've got to find increasing ways to one-up each other. Or, like, what's what's the deal with that? Uh, this wasn't one-upmanship. I just couldn't think of I couldn't think of anything to say. If anything, it's it's uh it's my bad for lacking any originality. But the greeting's so nice, you said it twice. That's right, Mister Price. Is that the plan? Well, there it is. Okay. So, by the way, this is directed by Patrick Price. <laughs> Look, save the rhyming for the Poppins movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Speaking of things that were so nice, they made it twice. We're talking about Creep 2 this week. I don't want to waste any time. This is a short movie, but I feel like it's going to make for a potentially long and fruitful conversation. We've got a lot of stuff in the mix going on here. So if if y'all are content, I'm kind of thinking maybe we just get right into it. Go for it. How's everybody feel about that? Go for it. Let's get creepy. Let's do it. Our second found footage film, hey? Uh, what was the other one? Oh, it was the uh, the uh, Diary of the Dead. That's right. right yeah, not okay. Blair Witch Two. We th- we God. flirted with the idea, but yeah, yeah. Man, I bought Diary of the Dead. Like I can watch that movie still whenever I want because <laughs> it was like four dollars. You ever get that craving? How do you Absolutely feel? Absolutely not. Not even once. Sorry, George. Sorry, Georgie. Pour my notes up for my man, George. Dude, you you fucked up that one time. <laughs> oh man I was so, okay nobody laughed Wait, like, fucked up fucked up by like dying <laughs> no by making a bad movie i'm just oh, not i'm right. just not in the joke so uh there it is the diary of the dead's bad huh great fuck this is not going well creep <laughs> two <laughs> mitch already said it directed by patrick bryce he directed creep safety not guaranteed the overnight well, he was in the music department for Safety Not Guaranteed. I sort of misspoke. I didn't mean to. This is really not going well. You know, you you you, you rebrand and you forget how to do a podcast just completely. I don't it's know. not you... good. Coppola. <laughs> You're right. What would Francis Ford Coppola do? He would continue the podcast. That's really fucking smart. <laughs> he, would power... <laughs> <laughs> he would power through and go on to who wrote this movie. Uh, it's Patrick Bryce again, and uh, Mark Duplass, who also stars in it. Um, he did. Uh, he's in Safety Not Guaranteed. Jeff, who lives at home, not, not in the music department on that one. Not in the music department, except exactly except for that, that one movie. scene where he where he plays a song. But there's a movie called Baghead. I don't really know a lot about that man's career, so this is what we're gonna get. Edited by Christopher Donlin. Um, the cinematography is by Patrick Bryce again. And uh, Desiree Akavan, who is also uh, starring in the movie. And uh, the music is by um, Julian Wass. And also across all of those credits, it's a lot of people who have sort of worked on a lot of the same projects with one another. One another. Um, Julian Wass did like the music for a movie that Desiree Akavan directed. And Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass met while working on stuff together. And it's like this whole thing. Um, the only other actors in the movie in any capacity are Karen Sony, Kyle Field, Kave Zahidi, Jeff Mann, and then Patrick Bryce for like the 800th time. So that's it. And Creep 2 is a um, found footage movie or documentary style movie 
wherein um, Sarah, a girl who is doing a web show where she responds to classified ads um, to try to scope out and sort of make some kind of like connection with the weird people who use Craigslist for weird things um, is having a bit of like a artistic integrity crisis and decides to do one last episode of her show and ends up meeting Aaron, who is the Mark Duplass character like out in the woods. And he is like, yeah, I want to make this film uh, over the course of today to talk about all my exploits as a serial killer. Uh, she doesn't totally know if uh, he's telling the truth and then things sort of spiral from there. Scene set. All all good. Now, if you heard last week's episode, I had no idea what any of this was um, beforehand. And uh, at this point, I sort of turned it over to um, our resident uh, creep and Mark Duplass expert, Liam, to sort of give us some context for this. Because I, I didn't have any before I watched it at all. Mark Duplass, he is uh, an actor, director, writer sort of dude. And uh, he, he came onto the scene in 2005. And since then, he has really just been associated with like indie indie mumblecore sort of movies if you guys have ever heard that yeah. term before you know it's just it's a lot of talking some um, real francis ha type movies exactly, exactly. <laughs> to be fair is a movie i like but yeah it's absolutely mumblecore right yeah uh your next would even be classified there like that one sort of pushes the hmm. set piece limit but it's it's based in the mumblecore uh scene in fact there's a extension of mumblecore called mumble gore which is kind of what that is because <laughs> it's a horror movie that stems from the mumblecore scene. Um, but yeah, mumblecore, for those people who don't know, it is characterized by a lot of dialogue, um, few characters, everyday sort of problems um, and settings. And uh, it's it's sort of just like fly on the wall, uh, cinema verite sort of, sort of movies. Um, and that's what Mark Duplass started with. In 2005, he came up with a movie called The Puffy Chair. Um, and that is just a movie about um, two dudes, their brothers, and they decide to go on a road trip to uh, pick up a replica of their dad's lounge chair that he used to love. Um, and they want to bring it back to him as a birthday present. And so the movie is just them uh driving uh, on a road trip and and sort of talking a lot and and getting up to a, a little bit of antics but not a whole lot of antics i mean these movies are are pretty much antic free and it's just a whole lot of talking um and that is totally my thing and so i discovered mark Duplass probably in 2010 or so around the time his uh film cyrus came out which stars jonah hill Marissa Tomei, John C. Riley, Catherine Keener, so all all actors that I love, and um, and I I really liked that movie, and from that point on, I just decided to explore sort of everything he did, and there was a point um, in my life where I, I just kept up with everything Mark Duplass did because it's like really sincere movies, uh, um, as you know pretentious or as saccharine as they might seem they always seem like they came from a sincere place to me and i love movies where it's just people talking and so um i've seen most of his stuff the one you mentioned Corey baghead that is also like a uh, a mumble gore movie you could call it because it, it is a horror movie type tinge to it um about it's about people who go to uh 
like a cabin uh, or like a retreat house. And then they realize that there's uh, people with bags on their heads uh, coming to get them. Um, and that that movie has Greta Gerwig in it, who also came from the scene, you know, and has mm. since blown up doing later Lady Bird and stuff. So all the you'll you'll find a lot of cast and crew that intersects with all sorts of these movies. And so there's all sorts of routes you can go on when you're getting into this scene and who you want to stick with and who you want to follow. And and Mark Duplass was kind of my guy that I followed for a long time. So um, even more than. Jim Carrey, who we talked about last week, like I look, <laughs> I look at Mark Duplass's um, filmography. Either the stuff that he directed, he hasn't directed. It looks like in about ten years or something, he hasn't directed a movie. But still, it seems like he's more active than ever. I mean, I, I end up watching so many movies, and he just shows up in them. Um, and so uh, his his style, his tastes, and my tastes just seem to overlap a lot because. Um, uh, like a, there's a movie called uh, Horse Girl that came out last year starring Alison Brie. Um, and I was so excited for that movie and I started watching it and then Mark Duplass was just in it. And then there's another one called The One I Love that has Elizabeth Moss in it. And it's uh, it's sort of a uh, single setting psychological comedy thriller that has to do with doppelgangers and i just heard that premise and i thought that sounded so cool and i watched it and he was the male lead in it and so there's just like countless movies by this dude that i've seen i i've since um fallen off a bit i haven't been able to keep up with everything he's done because in the last five years or so he's just gotten so busy he produces documentaries now and uh he's he's acting a lot but um a lot of times you'll you'll watch a movie that he's in and it turns out that he wrote it as well if not right. directed it. So so he's got a very specific kind of movie that he likes to make and and Creep is very much one of those movies. It's unique because it has the horror slant to it that a lot of his movies don't have. So that's our Mark Duplass history lesson. Um and now we can scope it out a little bit cuz I know you've both seen Creep for anybody who doesn't know what creep is, you can, I don't know if Mitch wants to hop in first. I think you had said that you saw it too. Yes. But, um, yeah. Like how did you feel about that movie? What, what is the deal with that movie? That first one? I just, I scoped it out on Netflix. Like, I guess almost, uh, almost a decade ago, like a long time ago when it came out. And, uh, I wasn't expecting much and I'm not really sure what, drew me to it at the time i think it, i had just seen some horror writers that i that i like uh raving about it and so i checked it out and i really loved it i really loved mark duplass's performance very memorable and then i just sort of shelved it and put it away and i didn't really think about it again for a really long time but it's it's a really solid movie and it like genuinely unsettling and i think this film the creep 2 definitely keeps that sort of unsettling quality and i think the 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 central performance um between the central performances rather between mark duplass and patrick bryce was really memorable and what struck me at the time is how is how it kind of draws on like the anxieties that a, that a journalist has and how 
it sort of reflects like in the relationship that they have with their sources and what that's going to make them do and getting too close to their sources and using that as a, as a source of tension. Right. And so this I really, the part where we out ourselves as journalists. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I really love that, uh, that whole dynamic and that whole, I guess, device. And so that is one of the things that really stuck out that made it unique. And yeah. Did you know Mark Duplass before that at all? Uh, no, no, I did not. Not not somebody who I'd really encountered. Again, not my not my kind of movies. But um, for all I, I knew, I, his I name was Mark Duplass. <laughs> Duplex, um, <laughs> Mark Townhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I I thought I thought he was a wonderful performer in that, and he doesn't disappoint in this one either. And uh, Liam, you had seen it too i mean of course i guess it sounds like you're sort of like you're in here waving the mark duplass flag yeah when this movie came out uh creep um it it was 2015 you'll see that it says 2014 on yeah wiki and stuff but it it that was festival it it came out um on netflix and stuff in 2015 and so when that dropped i was immediately on it i mean by that point i was uh, in love with a whole bunch of Mark Duplass movies, um, big into following horror movies at the time. So the fact that those two were overlapping had me so excited. You know, this is a movie I would have checked out even if he had not been in it. Um, so I don't know what grabbed me first about it, but uh, I was it's a, like a win-win. I was, I was pleased doubly around, double whammied. And so I watched it um, right away by myself and... Uh, I really liked it. Um, it's sort of just catnip to me. I mean, um, two guys. Uh, I like found footage movies. Um, I like I like the the tone those normally have, um, and I, I really like quiet, talky movies. And um, and that's what this was. And so I just thought it was a really pleasant, captivating watch. One of those things where it's just as you're watching it. Uh, you know, I was just thinking, man, I'm so I'm so happy I'm watching this for the first time right now, and I don't know where it's gonna go, and that is just so exciting. I love realizing that when I'm halfway through a movie, uh, and um, then I went to my first year of university uh, just, a, just a couple months after, and I have a memory of watching it with my roommate, uh, dorm mate, friend of the show, Brogo. We watched it together. We might have had some friends over when we did it. I'm, I'm not even sure. I think it, it might have been a a crowd movie because i think it is that first one is sort of a crowd pleaser where it's Definitely. it's a very it's a quiet steady movie you know it's not it's not like a maximum overdrive sort of crowd pleaser or even like um like a like a marvel movie crowd pleaser you know there's not a lot of big stuff happening but it, it's the sort of thing where you just put it on and it's it's quick and it's ropes in right from the beginning you don't gotta wait around for 20 minutes for the movie to get going it gets going and then you're in it um it doesn't have like a, a like a learning curve to it like some movies do you're just you're just ready to go and so yeah so we had a lot of fun watching that um together and then uh i followed um you know, from following Mark Duplass's career, I heard that Creep 2 was coming. And from that point on, it was just like one of my most anticipated movies. I was so excited. And so when Creep 2 dropped in 2017, uh, I got all my roommates together, Brogo included, and we watched it um, the day it released. Um, and then this would be... And then I watched it again with my mom on Netflix, maybe a year <laughs> later. So this is, this is my third time uh, seeing this one creep yeah. too i think i think another thing just to circle back to the original um 
everything about it works like from the from the premise and what it's what it's about it's so it's so bare bones and it's it, the subject matter i think can evoke a lot of sympathy and so it's it's about like a, a filmmaker who goes to meet this guy in the woods he says he's dying of cancer and he wants to document his last days um with like a with a video thing i wouldn't even, i don't even know if i'd even call it like a film it's like it's it's just like it is what it is and uh so they just like go into the woods and they document that and uh you know hijinks ensue but it 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 works it works so well and i i was also i'm trying to think of like coming back to like when i first encountered it and i was also like huge into into found footage at the time like i i loved the vhs movies and um so i just i just went to see this and it like knocked my socks right off but the the premise the premise in in this one is a bit is is similar but also like different and it and it builds it it builds off the original really beautifully. I mean, the filmmaker in the original film is called Aaron. So coincidence or maybe not so coincidence, Mark's character is named Aaron in Creep 2. Hmm. But uh, yeah, they're both wonderful movies and this movie builds off beautifully where the first one left off. It knows precisely what it is. It knows it's a sequel. Um, Like the opening scene in Creep 2 where... uh, Mark, do, where it, the mysterious package arrives at uh, at Dave's house, and he's like, "What's this? Like, I'm being followed." Blah blah blah. And there's this great sense of like dramatic irony because we know what's going on, and we know, like, as like the return viewer, right when Mark Duplass sits down and sort of winks at the camera, that like something is definitely amiss, and it's like, "Oh shit, it's that guy!" Like, this is the last guy you want walking into your living room. Um, and so there's that sort of dramatic irony and I, I was kind of like chuckling during that first scene cause I, I knew precisely what was going to happen, but it still shocked me nevertheless, because it's very effective filmmaking. I feel like I managed to miss the boat in one way or another on almost every single thing that you guys have talked about up to this point. So I find it very, I just find that interesting how, um be it mark duplass as a creative or um mumblecore as a cinematic concept or found footage as a thing to get into or the fact that the movie creep existed in the first place um none of those things in particular have been things i've been especially interested in or even aware of up until fairly recently outside of a few chance encounters as i mentioned before um, the way I was familiar with Mark Duplass is because uh, at one time, my dad and I just ended up watching Jeff Who Lives at Home, and I fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I don't know if I still would, but the memory of that movie in my brain is like a viscerally negative reaction, um, which I just find really interesting. And then um, I, I didn't know anything about this at all. I didn't know anything about basically anybody involved at all. Um, and I made the call, despite the fact that, as Mitch mentioned, the movies are short, uh, to not watch the first one. Um, that's kind of my prerogative on this show most of the time. Is just the fucking dipshit who doesn't know anything. And so I, uh, I just sat down and checked it out. And I do think that, wow, there, there's a lot going on here. I do think the 
the informed viewer perhaps has the most to to get out of this um at least in the in the opening part like mitch is talking about um but yeah as mentioned um it picks up where the urban not directly left off because as mitch was alluding to also he has like taken the name of the other guy from the first movie now and uh is like out living in the woods and this is a movie that is a bit less uh concerned with like it's not a horror movie i did a little bit of reading after i watched it and the creative team seems pretty confident that like that wasn't even really the goal of what they were trying to make it's not really supposed to be that it's more interested in both the interpersonal aspect i suppose and um like the questions it's dealing with the belt um like the nature of art and what makes good art and what gives your art integrity and value to yourself as the person making it. And how do you, um, how do you tell a story about a serial killer in a midlife crisis? Yeah, that's what it is. Essentially it's a serial killer having a fucking midlife crisis who crosses paths with an artist having an artistic midlife crisis adjacent problem um, who is just exceedingly willing to meet him where he is, even though I think, the Aaron character's expectation is that nobody would really take this ride, but she is like almost over eager to do so. Um, and then everything goes from there. But as the least appropriately informed of the bunch, I returned to Liam to start us off here. Um, but before I do that, I am going to say that uh, Mitch and I were talking before Liam got on this call. And I did say before even Liam laid out his uh, fandom of Mark Duplass, where I was like, I I feel like I know exactly how Liam is going to feel about this movie, which is that I think he's really, really, really going to love it and has probably seen it multiple times. And I'm very curious to see if I'm correct. Yeah. So uh, you want me to drop it, Corey? Just thoughts? Yeah, let's do it. We're here. All right. Well, yes, this is my third time seeing this movie. Um and I really, really do love it. Um, but I did surprise myself because I decided to double feature Creep and Creep 2 this time. I wanted to show it to uh, Brianna. I wanted to show her both of them. And it was my first time watching that original Creep maybe in three or four years or so. And I found myself less into that one this time. Um, I guess this would be my fourth watch or so. And I think that's because... Um, it's a movie that is so immediately captivating, like I said earlier, but once you know what's going on, I think there's a lot less to get out of it. Um, and there's a lot of joy in watching it with people who haven't seen it before. So I think uh, that carried me along in my second and third watch of the movie. Um, but uh, in, in terms of Creep 1, uh, watching it this time, I, I, I found that I was sort of able to see the seams a bit more in the, the director and actors, um, you know, because the, the director slash writer in that first creep movie plays the, the, the protagonist opposite Mark Duplass's villain. And so, um, uh, they're the crew as as they're acting um they're they're saying things that they've written or things that they've made up improvised and and i found that a bit more obvious this time around i could kind of 
see them as, as they're both great actors and they and they their sleight of hand is good there but i i felt that i could tell that they were kind of trying to work out where the movie was going um it because the style is so much of uh getting together with your friends making a movie uh in like a diy style where it's not all scripted beforehand you don't really know where it's going to go and there's a lot of excitement in watching that for the first time um but this time around i i found that uh, it was just a bit less believable just i just guess just because i had seen it so many times i still respect the hell out of that movie and i still really like it but i did not love it as much as i have the other times and so going into creep 2 for uh, you know, I guess that this would be the third time or so. I was I was concerned that might happen uh, with this one as well, um, but it didn't. I I think that Creep Two is an improvement on the first movie, and I even felt that way when it came out. When I was still really high on Creep, I just think that with the sort of origin story out of the way um, because the hook of that first movie is we're right along with our protagonist wondering if this guy is a killer if he's who he says he is where is this going to go and in creep 2 um, we don't only know it from watching the first movie but even if we haven't seen that first movie like Corey, um, it, it shows you within the first five minutes who we're dealing with here when you see him uh, you see mark duplass kill someone like in cold blood and then uh um, uh, react to it very uh, like thoughtfully and distraughtly and 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 it it sort of sets the stage for okay this is going to be a, a, a character piece that deals with something that is horrifying it deals with murder but it's not quite going to be the same sort of suspense horror movie that the first movie is because we know where we stand with this killer and so where do we go from there? Well, I think the introduction of this new protagonist, this new videographer, Sarah, um, I think it's just really the coolest thing they could have done. I love the interplay between these two characters. I think um, it is more rewarding than the interplay between the two characters in the first one, because that first movie, it this Patrick Bryce, the director, the protagonist, uh, he, he plays this straight man and that works really well when you're watching the story and getting to know it. But upon repeat viewings, uh, I think that he, his blank slate role sort of gets, uh, gets smothered by Mark Duplass's great performance. And, um, really he's the, he's the charismatic star. And I think, um, our, our second, person in in that movie it's a two-hander and like one of those hands sort of gets lost but i think in this one that doesn't happen at all i think the hook is that both characters here are so interesting and i just like love i love seeing them talk i love uh they try to figure each other out it seems like they're 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 both um growing and thinking a whole lot whereas that first movie it is just much more of a straight thrill ride um whereas this movie i think it it offers a bit more to chew on even after the movie is over and uh and then it's it still just has so much that i loved from the first movie which is just you know two people talking mark duplass's face um the simple but like lavish country setting um uh, yeah so I, I i really dig it you know in conclusion 
in conclusion of my opening thoughts, uh, uh, Creep 2, really great. Creep 1, normal great. Normal. Yeah. I, you might be the first person to describe um, even a mumblecore-adjacent movie as a thrill ride. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Hey, you're next, man. Thrill ride. Yeah. You can attest to that, right? Yeah, but in my head, that like isn't even related to that genre at yeah. all. Your next is kind of, in my opinion, like a different kettle of fish. But you know, I, I think you made a bunch of really excellent points there. Like circling back, like I don't, I also agree. I don't think that this movie is is weaker by any means for for showing its hand in any way. I think it's, I think it's stronger because it knows what it is. It's, it knows that it's a sequel, and it like there are so many. And it's all like the same people that that worked on the first one that know like it, I don't think it's it doesn't get convoluted like so many sequels do with with too many cooks. Um, you've got the same people and they're they're coming back to see if they can improve on that dish. And I I think that they that they really do at like at every turn. I th- I agree that this movie is is better and more interesting than the original because how they how they build on on the characters and and the the new dynamic i think is is completely fresh because the the sarah her performance um completely subverts expectations although i do think you have to suspend your disbelief a bit more for this one than you did in the original um but it turns out that she, in a lot of ways she might be like like similarly crazy to him in a way to kind of like stay around there to get the story but yeah very good what about you Corey? where are you at with this thing i don't know i still don't know hmm. i've been sitting on it for a couple days and i don't i don't feel like it's clarified itself to me at all um it's i want to make abundantly clear that i think my lack of certainty is a good thing. Um, and I think the movie is deeply compelling and has a lot in its favor and a lot going on that I like quite a bit. But when I when it's over and I'm sitting here and I'm just like um, trying to sort of like assess succinctly like any overall thoughts on it, I sort of come up a bit empty handed. Uh, there's stuff that I think is, is quite quite interesting and good. There's stuff that I really don't like. Um, there's something about the way it presents itself, like in terms of uh, just the genre that it is, like very sort of naturalistic, like found footage stuff tends to feel this way to me, even with like heightened characters, like uh, down on her luck, artistic crisis videographer and a literal serial killer. But that just feels sort of like, um just like awkward and uncomfortable in a way that's intentional but in a way that i just don't enjoy having to witness um i also think there is some stuff about what is in the movie that um is annoying and uncomfortable in a way that was not intentional that i just don't like um yeah i don't know i i like a lot of the ideas I could not meaningfully tell you like I like this movie or I don't like this movie, which I do think is a good thing overall. But would, yeah, you, re- I, I, would you recommend it to someone? Yeah, largely because it's short. 
And it, um, it is very brisk. I it's mean a- that because it goes by relatively quickly. And if you don't end up liking it, then it's not a huge burden of your time. Yeah. Whereas if this movie were like three hours and I came out like this, I don't know if I would because mm-hmm. that's just a lot to ask of somebody. Yeah, not um, for one minute does it outstay its welcome. It's 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 in and it's out and it's paced pretty well. Um, there might be a minute di- or you two. You might feel differently. Okay. There might be a couple scenes that maybe I could do with them being shorter. But There might <laughs> yeah, be a little yeah. bit uh, too much of Mark Duplass's penis in this thing. I think there was a perfectly <laughs> reasonable amount. And frankly... I'm surprised it took this long to get as far as I believe the first just casual full frontal male nudity on this podcast. Hmm. I don't remember another movie with any of that. Mark it was very it was very casual. Air Bud didn't have any of that. <laughs> well, you I didn't know, see I know that, that cut? for sure. <laughs> the fucking <laughs> red rocket cut where it's just Oh my ridiculous. god. <laughs> do you think it's do you think it's worse for for making that sort of decision? I mean, Which seems... one to have his Marsh Duplass's dick out? Yeah, like that whole like nudity scene where it's like to really nah. get to know me, you have to see it's me. It's fine. Nude. I think it's an interesting scene. The whole the whole film is just sort of I like built on like vignettes of just like I guess sort of shocking shocking you, and then each each one that follows, it's like okay, how can we top that? Like, um, like cut my head I... off, cut my head off. Like, how oh. can we? How I, mean, can I we top sort that? of agree with that. I guess. Um, yeah. I totally agree with that, man. I don't That's know a how to talk to about it. this movie. I have no idea. It's my, just like a constant, my, a constant my building. Notes are, my notes are fucking useless. They're like the most useless they've ever been, but it's largely because like I didn't know what to make of it. I, I will say I really, really, really don't like the opening. Like I you did, really, you didn't really, like, really don't like it. I was, I was grinning the whole time. I thought it was yeah, really you knew I, what was happening. Yeah, but it, it also like has like this great sense of like satire where he's like in the same Starbucks, we reading the same chapter of Infinite Jest. Like it, it, that it's, annoyed it's, me. So, like Marty oh, Plas in the opening of this movie is so just like profoundly well, annoying. Well, he's trying to be a chameleon. He's trying to be like the, the kid in like, the coffee shop you, you don't want to meet. And so like yeah, it, he he molds not himself. Too smart for me. Well, I no, just no, no, found no. it annoying. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it's too smart, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm saying that I think it's I think it's really funny like with how he's kind of cuz if you if you come to the scene sort of knowing who he is and what he does this character and you see what he's doing in that opening scene with that sort of sense of dramatic irony underpinning all of it, because you, you, you see this fucking guy walk into the room and you're like, Oh shit. And you, you see this whole monologue he's giving about, about all these pretentious subjects. And I was grinning ear to ear, just watching him kind of go off talking about that. It, I'm, it, I'm it not saying it's, me. I'm not saying it's too smart. No, no. My first <laughs> note is Mark Duplass fucking sucks. That's my first note. <laughs> Because wow. I, I, wow, because of how much I wasn't enjoying that, and I think he's the problem. Like, uh, I'm gonna have to agree to disagree, <laughs> CP. Um, in the opening, I think throughout the movie, there's plenty that I think he does that I like. Um, but I'll, I think okay, let's do this. Let's it's Festivus. We're gonna do an airing of grievances. I sound like I might be in the minority in as far as I have a decent amount of negative or ambiguous things to say i'm just gonna lay some of them out we can take it from there as like a jumping off point go on um and then you know because i would be curious to because it sounds like you both have a very sort of 
you seem to be very clear in thought in how you feel about the movie and i'm not mm-hmm. i mean this so, is this isn't the perfect movie movie to me but it's contained enough and enough of things work and it's effective enough that i would recommend it just because it's such a it, like you said it's short and enough so, things are good they're going for it so like i'm trying let's let's fast forward a bit to like they're in that cabin like talking or whatever and um he starts sort of alluding to more of his like serial killery stuff like he's got like the video of the other one and he starts taking out like the wolf mask and making like howling noises and like shouting and shit and just talking about what he's doing um and sarah's just sort of like a sounding board early on how does that play for you guys that like sort of introductory getting into the fact that he's a serial killer phase of the movie well i mean for let me let me answer your question with a question like did you did you think he was telling the truth when he was going through that i mean i saw him kill a guy so i did right so like <laughs> you like we know he, he's telling the truth but she doesn't necessarily know. i don't think she she believes it. i mean she says as much in the bathroom but i think she yeah. says most of the movie not believing him exactly so it's again that kind of like dynamic of of that dramatic irony going on and uh but and that okay, go ahead that just i i don't that didn't do anything for me <laughs> i don't know it, I, I was like i can't believe he's showing her this why the hell is he showing this is not his usual routine what's he doing what's he's having a midlife crisis he's coming apart at the seams why is he why is he showing her his, his films um, it's so subversive yeah every frame is so dense with information <laughs> <laughs> no but, Just, but I again i i thought it was i thought it's like it was like wow that's that's sort of like a bold note to kind of start your movie where it's like okay here's the deal i am a serial killer and uh it's it's bold bec- like because he he is and he's got his cards on the table and he's like i'm not gonna kill you i'm just like i'm just showing I'm you a, uh, i'm a lot more interested in sarah just generally i think so too i think i Um, think mark's performance is more colorful but yeah i maybe i just don't like mark duplass that's entirely possible i don't even think he's necessarily bad um i just think there's just something about him like i look at him and i'm looking at a guy who is very aware of what he's doing but also thinks he's really smart for doing it and it bothers me look at that look at that sinister nose and that and cruel I, grin and i don't know if that's like a fair assessment of the man but it's the impression that i get and i i i struggle with work that wants me to recognize that it's doing doing something scare quotes around that like you know what i mean and this movie sort of feels like that. It's got enough s- sequences where it feels like that that I'm just like, yeah. But like, there is stuff that I do like, but I, the way it all comes together in my brain, it just, none of it comes out into something cohesive for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, Liam, what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I can I can definitely uh, sympathize with you, Corey. Um, 
the the first time I saw Creep Two, that opening sequence really took me off guard, left a bad taste in my mouth. Actually, because the first movie is a it's a suspense like horror thriller movie, and I thought that this one right away shows itself as much more of a satire and um and i i I really didn't like that um i would sort of compare it to like uh if you guys are familiar with the movie nightcrawler by that director and he he put out a movie after that called velvet buzzsaw Mm -hmm. that's about mitch is um, very familiar with velvet buzzsaw i I got i gotta i gotta hear what you think about that really quick mitch but i just i felt like nightcrawler was a straight ahead thriller like no no pretension about it and then Velvet Buzzsaw was much more like already operating on, operating on different layers. It's like supposed to be a thriller, but it's actually not trying to scare you. It's supposed to be making a comment on these things that are trying to scare you. And um, it's just uh, going from one to the other. You know, it, it sort of gave me a, in both cases um, sort of gives me like a bit of a bit of pause, a bit of, oh, I didn't know this is what we were doing. I expected more of the previous thing what do you think about velvet buzzsaw mitch i got it <laughs> oh it's it's the first movie i reviewed for dear cast and crew so it's uh it's uh you can read his thoughts we will plug it you can read i don't know i don't know what i i don't know what i wrote down i think i gave it like a i didn't give it like a super high rating but i didn't i did have fun with it um and i thought that it was all done with like this great uh sense of style and uh i don't know i think it, it's one of those movies again that puts you in like a in a in a contained world like the lush world of uh of high art but they've got like a i guess like a supernatural murder intrigue plot going on in there i don't uh, know yeah. i liked it enough i think that's a really good comparison though like with with how i guess a, a follow-up kind of wants to play with different ideas and you know i think i think a, a good sequel should but it should have like the similar trappings that made it great and i think that creep 2 definitely does that with its i found the satire to be very effective in creep 2 i found myself laughing a lot more than i was most of the laughing had to do because i was like profoundly uncomfortable uncomfortable and i was like you know like get out of there what the hell are you doing massaging the wolfman in the in the in the hot tub like what this he's told you to leave like how many times like you're good to go but no yeah but that speaks to like she she is there because she wanted something like that to happen and i think she's just all in on like okay let's keep this going like because that was i think her whole intent the whole time so it's like you would like to think that she would have the wherewithal to not get in the hot tub with the wolfman but she went exclusively in the hopes of getting in the hot tub with the wolfman because it might be good content yeah yeah and again the that's part of this movie and i think in both of them that comes down to just you have to suspend your disbelief i think with with especially with these movies but kind of like with any sort of yeah because you know serial killers aren't real well so i mean (laughs) they're real but i mean no they they, they're horror movies made those up we all know that but this is this is sort of like a (laughs) this is sort of like a like a mumblecore depiction of a of a serial killer and there's a lot of uh you know gaiety and and talking by the stream and sort of surreal sequences that i i don't i I find that i don't think they would happen in real life but you know what what do i know (laughs) henry portrait of a serial killer this is not 
No. No. We've wow, I didn't realize how much we've talked about serial killers lately. Um in a mumblecore esque style. Uh yeah, I, I really I'm a lot more compelled by Sarah, like that opening bit where you get like a montage of her show and then she's just like, oh, nobody's watching this because it's fucking garbage and I suck at this. I think I might be deeply untalented. Like, I feel like that's going to strike a nerve with a lot of people that um, make any kind of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and want to feel like they're succeeding and having gratification, not necessarily through like raw audience but also just like feeling good about what they're making definitely and she doesn't and i think the fact that she is so open to sort of meet him on this weird level and go along and even heighten a lot of the scenarios speaks a lot to i think her i guess on a personal level but also just her desperation to fill that like artistic void with something Mm -hmm. and i think it's really interesting her willingness to continue putting herself in an increasingly compromising situation as she recognizes very early on um i liked that i like how it escalates a bit um and it gets almost like a weird like home life vibe where they're like doing dishes and shit and just sort of like hanging out i think that's really interesting i i think it's in my current frame of mind in this conversation i think my problem with the movie is the aaron character as the other side of this equation like i almost wonder if um a slightly different version of this movie that's maybe not tied to the first one for the sake of like being able to differentiate it where the setup is similar but it's someone who it doesn't have as much of that like satirical edge to it so it feels a little bit more immediately dangerous Mm -hmm. um might be more interesting to me because i'm just nowhere with i'm not on this journey with mark duplass there are i think there are scenes that i like uh with him but i think i just can't connect with that dude (laughs) And I, I think you would get that from the first movie, Corey. Um, like, if, if you just like kind of have problems with the actor and, and his vibe, it, it might not hit as hard for you as you would want it to. But that first movie is very much more concerned with you're wondering if Mark is is dangerous and what he's going to do. And uh, there are but- sequences in it that are like actively trying to be scary, whereas I don't think this movie has that. I yeah, think yeah. I think it... it um, uh, I think I wanted more tension in knowing that he's scary, though, because he doesn't feel scary. Like, I see him kill a guy, but he still doesn't feel... There's no there's no tension to that part I think, of I think it. he's still threatening in this. I think I think he's he's still threatening, but but all... Like, you, you touched on a good point back there where you said, like, it's it's about, like, the, the central sort of driving force in this movie is, like, creativity. And I don't know if any of you have like like and made crisis. Like, to yeah, that too. But I don't know if any of you have like made a film before. But like when you're when you're like doing that, I haven't made anything serious. Just like Liam short. has a great anecdote about wasting a lot of time in the snow. But, if you want to go listen to an old episode, but when you're when you're doing that, like you're you're kind of like you're you're in for a penny, in for the pound. Like just kind of like going to it with like a, a singular sort of driving vision. And I think that like like that sort of juxtaposed with like the sinister sort of and also like the unhinged nature of Mark Duplass's character 
is kind of wild because you don't know like what kind of climax he's driving towards, but he's got all his cards on the table. And I did spend a bit of the movie worrying it was a sex thing. Uh, and I'm glad it's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I want to make that good. Cause like, yeah, it's obvious why, but no, I get what you mean where it's like, it's not totally apparent. Like he may well just let her leave. Like you don't, it's hard to say. And then I, but I think that, what you're talking about juxtaposed with the parts where it seems like she's just very in involved or like interested in like, like redoing his hair or like the kiss thing or just, you know, actively escalating the situation on her own um, speaks to both. I think a, I guess maybe just being at a point in her life where she wants to mix things up, but like the lengths that she is willing to go to, to get like a good episode of her show out of it seemingly. And I think also just on a more base level, like two people, people connecting via a shared weird is a vague word but i'm gonna say shared weirdness um is interesting however the yeah the loose uh the weak link here is just like i think this movie would be better if you kept the sarah character how it is but and i know this is sort of the first movie but like either there were fewer cards on the table or if all the cards are on the table, it's less light hmm. and a bit more ominous but because I, think, I, I feel like I was waiting for this dude to have like a snap of like rage for a brief moment that reminds you that like, Oh yeah, he's like violent and you never really get that. I feel like you can't make a sequel without the cards being on the table though. No. Yeah. I, the thing that I'm describing wouldn't be creep too. It would be a different yeah. movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I see what you mean, but I I think that the film is kind of, I think it's 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 sort of stronger and weirder for not having that, and I think it's more fresh for not kind of going down to that sort of basic sort of level. Yes. And, and instead, it kind of like goes to a whole other weird dimension. Yeah, uh, I'm with, totally willing to agree. I just don't know if that makes me like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the catch. Um, how do you guys feel about that part where he uh sits in some water and yells at a bird, which felt apropos? Liam has actually been very tactically muting his mic a lot, but my note about that scene is noise will keep happening. Just go. It's like the podcast, dude. <laughs> dude, when he when that happened, when he yelled at the birds chirping off off camera at like the upper left part of the screen and threw a rock at it, our bird was uh perched on the top left uh part of the tv and chirping and it was amazing <laughs> yeah it's it's extremely that's a thing that just made me laugh because it's wild i just had a i remembered something and i don't know if this is significant to the first movie so i want to ask at the beginning of the movie dave is dave the guy that dies dave, is that dave's, his name dave's the guy yeah um he asks aaron if he would answer a question honestly and Aaron's like, yeah, of course. And then later on, they redo that line again between Sarah and Aaron. Like, will you answer a question honestly? Yeah, of course. Was there a significance to that from like a previous film or was that just for this? Does it matter at all? I have no idea, but I noticed you to, it. <laughs> you have to ask Liam. He's probably more fresh. <laughs> so, sorry, can you repeat? Like, are you saying uh, Sarah asked, can I ask you a question? The problem and Dave is, Dave asked, can I ask you? Uh, 
So well, oh, here's the, the problem. Asker? Here's the problem. My notes are somewhat insufficient. It, it's mm-hmm. Mark Duplass who's the asker, and he has like a he has like a like a 100 honesty answer policy. Does right. he have that in the original film? He does. Yeah, that's that's one of his moves for sure. Okay. I should have written down who said what when to make that question better, but in any case, I noticed the line repeat, the both lines repeated. I was like, huh. Um, I I think my notes kind of suck because I was too busy like focusing really hard, like trying to suss out. Because um, I just have a note that just says like kind of like the pool room scene, but I don't remember what they were talking about. <laughs> I don't like, know, man. That's that's on you for taking shoddy notes. I didn't, you all I saw didn't, the movie. What are they talking about in the pool room? I didn't take any notes. I watched this lying in bed. You motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Mitch. I'm I, the I, one did, with I didn't notes. take any notes. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> um, but there is a. Um, there's a great... One of us had to take notes that were good. Come on. Well, listen, I, I got it all up here, baby. Points to brain. There was a great uh, moment that I, I never realized um, a connection between two of the movies until I watched them back to back here. When uh, Aaron is telling the story about what happened to him as a kid, you know, where he was uh, picked up by a dude and then uh, brought into the woods by him, made to dig his own grave and stuff. He says that the man um, had a very kind face and that he and the man said to him, we're going to have a great day. Um, and that is what uh, Mark Duplass's character says to Aaron in the first movie when Aaron first shows up at his house. He says, you have a really kind face and we're going to have such a great day together. And I thought I thought that was really cool that there is they are paying attention. There is a through line to these movies. And I think uh, that's really um, uh, why I'm so excited for a creep three is that these movies are both so different. And while I like the second one more, I really appreciate that the first one is there to serve as that more standard suspense movie. And then this one uh, doesn't go to the more conventional places uh, you guys were just talking about where we don't have that moment of like rage from our, uh, from our congenial villain that shows that he is a threatening villain. We don't have that. We have that in the first movie, but in this one, it's, 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 it's going to a much more strange place. It's a movie that I haven't really seen before. Whereas the first movie is a story type that I have seen before, but it is told just through two people found footage that that's sort of unique. But besides that, it it is pretty conventional, I think. And I think that's just because at that point they were still trying to figure out who these characters are. I mean, most importantly, who Joseph slash Aaron's character is that's Mark Duplass. Um, and so what they figured out is that it's he's a killer. He he hides himself. He does this to many people. And at the end, he, he kills them. Um, and with that established, I think that this movie, they were much more sure in what they wanted to do. And they, they uh, were more confident to explore something that hasn't necessarily been done before there's there's a quote on the creep wikipedia page the the first movie where mark duplass is 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 talking about the character of joseph and he says um 
we're we were very interested in how you meet people and don't quite understand what's up but you start to get signs for us that was intense eye contact lack of personal space oversharing maybe a little bit too much love here and there and then he says and this is really interesting to me he says but for me there's something wrong with both of these guys deeply this concept of who's the creep in this scenario and having just watched the first movie i don't think that really comes across i think that um the protagonist character doesn't seem off at all doesn't seem creepy i think he's he's mostly just like a a naive nice person that is there for mark duplass's character to take advantage of but i think in creep 2 they really hone in on that idea and i think they exemplify it far better i think the sarah character is way more interesting for that reason like you Mm. you, she starts to maybe take advantage of him for her for her youtube series and she 100 and then she starts to me it seems like she's just getting interested in him romantically like when she gives him that kiss it seems like you know she doesn't think he's a serial killer at this point she knows he's a fucking weirdo but she's she seems okay with that and it seems like uh despite all these weird things that he's done she's kind of right there with him because he under she understands the the need to do really weird stuff in order to uh feel artistically fulfilled or or to get attention from other people or whatever it is and so i think that this movie is it feels like a uh like a a final draft of maybe what the the movie's first draft uh was and and i like it for that reason yeah i don't know if i would say it's necessarily like romantically but i think she's certainly just like interested him and the connection is there the whole time between the two of them because i think there is a tacit sort of recognition that like they're in the same spot and doing the same thing the outlet is different so I do think that they're interested in sort of like almost taking advantage of the situation, like you said, in equal measure once they get a bit more comfortable in it. Um, and I just... Uh, I don't know. I have, a, I have a question. I have a question for Liam. Because you, you were talking earlier about, about Patrick Bryce's character in the, in the first film. And... You know, he, you were saying that there's nothing really off with him, but he is sort of like a down on his luck kind of filmmaker guy. He doesn't really seem like he's necessarily fulfilled either. I think that's sort of a common thread between the characters. And there's a line where, um, where Mark Duplass says, you know, I take a little bit from each one of my victims, a little bit of personality. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but noticing in this film that there's a lot of Patrick Bryce. In, there's a lot of Aaron in our Aaron. Yeah, dude's name is Aaron. Yeah, uh, I mean not only not only in the name, but I mean also like kind of in that melancholic kind of um, creative sort of state. And like, how much of how much of that do you think like carries carries over? How much of Aaron do you think carries over into Aaron? Like outside of the name, that's a really good question. I I hadn't thought of it because um, I kind of took. Aaron, uh, meaning Mark Duplass, I took him at his word that it, 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 he had just sort of reached an impasse in his life, a midlife crisis, and that's sort of where this despondency was coming from. Um, but, but now that you mention it, uh, that really does reflect what 
Patrick Bryce's character was in that first movie. I like I think I think Patrick Bryce's character comes through much more subtly in that first movie and I don't know if that's just because of uh the writing um you know like if they just didn't know to give him a a really big moment where he was able to to lock into that and display that um uh but i think the the performance and how and how meek he is in that first movie he scares very easily in that first movie that's a big running thread but he's also very trusting and i think that um mark duplass has both those qualities in this movie like there's there's points where he gets scared by sarah and i don't i don't know that he actually would have been scared that way if he was still the same guy from the first movie and so that makes me like the movie even more to think that it's a really intriguing quality and i I can't help but think like what are they gonna what are they gonna do with the next one like how does it carry how does this sort of state of being carry out into the next one it looks like he's out for for revenge or or for something at the end of the movie but really (laughs) kind of an interesting dynamic and i think it makes it unique especially what do we think about the fucking ending man Uh, well before the very ending uh if you guys have any thoughts about that whole forest sequence and grave sequence i think you should talk about that too because that this movie is unique and that is unique from the first movie i think and that it, it has that proper sort of horror movie setting climax you know where you're in a unique spot for the climax so what do you guys think about that whole bit i think it's i think it's really good especially with like the scenes that precede it like where he's like okay cut my head off cut my head off like that was kind of like shocking and i was like laughing and cringing at the same time then he hangs himself i had a harness i had a harness i'm not so sure that he actually did but uh, (laughs) yeah good point oh man good point but uh, I think like all of that sort of like building building up towards this final sequence is good. And I think it also is good with what it does with traditional horror tropes and the whole like final girl sort of trope. And I think that that Sarah sort of embodies that role really well in the in the last sequence with how she kind of handles herself and how he's like, I know you have a YouTube channel and like and like blah, blah, blah. I know you're a content creator. <laughs> I know you're a content creator. Um, I, I saw your gold play button. Yeah. <laughs> or lack thereof. Lack thereof. So I'm I'm just I saw an empty frame where you're going to put a <laughs> silver play button. Yeah. Because you won't get a gold one. So like what are they gonna do with the next one? Is it all just gonna be like final girl formula? Like right from the right from the, the get-go and like like how is how is because they I don't even on, think on it's gonna be a high point. I don't even think it's going to be especially related to the direct ending of this movie. I don't think that's really their vibe. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but I think it's, I think it's certainly an interesting part to set it up. Um, I'm ready to see that. Yeah. I have no idea how I feel about the end of this movie. Um, I honestly thought the end end uh, was kind of unsatisfying yeah. and annoying um, because it's like, okay, now okay like i just i didn't know what to do with it i was like we sure, on public geez. transit yeah we we, <laughs> we reducing the amount of cars on the road and therefore emissions because we're being responsible i don't know we don't own cars but um i similarly don't have an especially strong feeling about the the sequence in the woods i i honestly felt thought it feels slightly at odds with the rest of the movie to me 
Um, in that, I mean, it had to escalate at some point. Um, but it is pretty satisfying when she hits him with the shovel. I is it though? <laughs> like, <laughs> reevaluate your feelings for a second, Mitch. <laughs> um, uh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like I. I especially got anything out of it. I thought. I remember feeling sort of um, frustrated at the fact that it was culminating in like a, oh, he got her. Oh, she got him. Like a bait and switch kind of thing, that then has another bait and switch at the end. Well, I don't know. It's just um, like it's more like he got him, and she didn't want to get got. Sure, but like <laughs> even still, like I'm. I don't know those are my thoughts i don't really know i uh i really like the setting um i like how for it, it's i like how starkly different it is than the house or even the sunlit forest we've been in through most of the movie um it's so dark and creepy um and i i like aaron's plan for them both to die together in the grave i think that that would fit his character based on everything that he's gone through. And um, what makes it unique from the first movie uh, where uh, the first movie, we don't know exactly what he's up to, but by the time we, we see it um, and we see basically the final scene from the first movie in this movie, which is the ax to the guy sitting on the bench. Um, by the time we get to that in the first movie, it is it's it's just like a clarification of oh this is what this is pro this is basically what he was planning the entire time you know as much as as much like beating around the bush as he did this is this is what he was planning, um, but in this movie by the time we get to the final uh, big use of like weapons and 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 violence happening him stabbing himself and then giving the knife to her to stab herself I don't think that we could have got to that point without everything that happened in the movie to change Aaron. And so I like that we had that character development for him to get to this point. I really do believe that it feels earned. Um, I am a bit confused as to why she runs away and then comes back. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. And I, I, I remember being confused by that at the time I've heard people have criticisms of that like on podcasts and stuff over the years since the movie has came out so i paid close attention to it this time because uh it seems like such a obvious thing that that it shouldn't be a mistake that gets made and so the best i can figure out is that as she's running away he says you don't even have the keys and so maybe she was like oh shit i don't have the keys i gotta come back or i gotta just like make sure he's dead but i think More people just panic in high stress situations yeah. but that line is pretty that line is pretty funny like there is kind of like a like a like a tragic sort of like comedy like even though like this is like a really fucked up situation there is sort of like a like a tragic i don't want to say sympathetic because i don't feel bad for him but but i can see kind of what they're they're going for with this kind of like flawed sympathetic thing and then uh, but there's also like lots of humor going through it um but her motives i i I don't know if we should necessarily look at them too closely for, you know. He's like the pinnacle of an unreliable back. narrator. Yeah. Yeah, and and you 
and and I mean, like Corey said, it could just be panic. And because of the the style, the nature of this movie with the found footage, the camera doesn't stay with her, and so we don't know what happened. So um, there's there's space to to hypothesize and make it work out, even if you don't want to. Like I think it's easy to write off. Why would she come back? She never would come back. But I think realistically, yeah. there are reasons she could have come back. So um, I, I I was wondering if i would get hung up on that this time and i didn't and so i think that whole forest sequence is really satisfying i think the shovel smack to the back of his his head looks better than i thought it would i thought i i thought um it was either gonna like cut away or she was gonna hit him in the back or something but it's right in the head and the blood splatters i think that looks really good um but that that the final ending where we get cut to black and then now we're in new york city and there's a camera the big apple voyeuristically watching her as she's walking down the street and then she goes on to public transit and then you hear the whistling that he uh has done post folks mitch is just the natural (laughs) that uh aaron has done many times before his his sort of little theme and then um it should have been the andy griffith theme (laughs) (laughs) i loved it when andy griffith started with that uh they're walking down the street from fishing and just like fucking screeching at each other fucking um, sick dude fucking <laughs> hell yeah so sarah is sitting on public transit uh you hear this whistling happen you know ostensibly from behind the camera and then she looks directly into the camera and her face like subtly drops and then it cuts away to credits um and to me that feels like it will be a lot more satisfying once we have a third movie it feels like uh like a placeholder for the creative team to come back to because i i like that they kept sarah alive i think she'll play into the third one pretty heavily i mean she's such a good uh actress i think and such a good presence why would you not use her again um and when creep 2 came out they had already announced they were doing three that announcement came with the second movie and so i think they were expecting to have creep 3 out by now and so um and and they they were expecting that the wait wouldn't be that long so i think once we're able to watch all three of these back to back that ending will be more uh satisfying and and less sort of like a a cheesy um cliffhanger cliffhanger setup yeah um right now i think that's what it is like i I don't think it's bad in concept like i i buy it um that he survived and that he came after her i totally buy that but as is right now it, it just feels like a setup and um and Creep 3 has taken longer to get off the ground than they expected. The most recent update was that in early 2020, Mark Duplass said that they had done two tries at the script and they're still not satisfied and they don't want to do it until they're super inspired. Um, so, you know, it's still in their heads, but it, it didn't come as immediately as they thought they would. And, you know, that's cool by me. It makes me all the more excited for once it starts yeah. coming. We can know that they're they're totally behind it. But uh as of right now, I think the ending of this movie does kind of suffer, but I also think there's something to be said about uh, when movies are meant to be a series and uh, sometimes you just got to 
you just got to wait it out. And I think there's so much good stuff in this movie prior to that ending. And I, and I like the forest ending, which is really the, the big thing. And then you kind of just get like a little, it's basically a post credit scene before the credits. So, uh, you know, you just got to deal with it, I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's a setup, but I'm ready. I'm, I'm like excited to see where it goes. Like it's, it is what it is. Yeah. And you can't really ask for much more than that. I mean, if it gets you excited and there's going to be a third one, then I guess that's cool. Anybody got anything else that's like major that we didn't hit? No, nah, no. Nah. Before we hit some final thoughts, because I, my final thoughts are uh, vague and unclear. Uh, Did we clear anything w- up for you, Corey? Absolutely not. Damn. Um, that's not anybody's fault. Like, I kind of appreciate that. I f- I feel like we don't often get movies that. I feel like our take on movies is often clear early. You know what I mean? Like you get like 15 minutes into it, they made another one ass movie and you just know where you're at. Um, I appreciate not knowing where I'm at. I appreciate having conflicting feelings about it. I appreciate that this movie is like trying to do something um, and succeeds at least partially. Um, it's got compelling ideas, uh, but there's too much for me that I either just can't connect with the way I think the movie wants and needs me to. Um, and that I just don't think works that I don't know. Like I can recommend it in that it's like 75 minutes long and like there are worse ways to spend 75 minutes and it's got ideas. But for me personally, um, I don't think I come down on this, like being able to tell people, yeah, I like creep too. You know what I mean? Like I don't. It's not as cut and dry as that, which is refreshing. But for me, I I just I don't know if I could realistically put it like in terms like that. I think I'm just sort of like, meh. Okay, <laughs> and then I'll I'll move on. Yeah, no, I'm definitely I'm definitely for this movie. Again, its runtime is so it's so brisk. It's on Netflix, and it's I'd say it's like should have a- called it net brisk. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's pretty uh, <laughs> a- approachable, I think. Even though it is like really weird, I think it's like it's something that you could settle into and watch. You could watch one and two, and I think you'd have. I had I had a good time. I think I can think of many. It's people got who a one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Yeah, so does so does the first one. It's this, <laughs> it's the sort of movie where even if you don't love it, they're easy to like. I think yeah, they're easy uh, to watch. Like they're they're uncomfortable to watch. Is it but- easy to like? 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, baby. How can you argue with consensus? <laughs> How can you argue with a review <laughs> aggregator? <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a thumbs up from me. I would definitely recommend it to to people if they like horror movies, found footage, um films about like, you know, the creative process and and sort of all those things colliding. Yeah. It's a thumbs up from me. I'm with I'm with you. Shall we spin the wheel? Yeah. Sure. How many how many movies we got on here? 330. Hmm. Woo! Woo! I think Prisoner of Zenda is like 63. There, we'll have to find out. Thereabouts, something like that. So, uh, I'm just I've got it locked and loaded. Let's just, you know, let's not waste any time, you know. We've talked about Creep 2 for a long time. We've talked about Creep 2 for longer than the movie is. Huh. Let's Co- commentary track. Put this on the Blu-ray. Honestly, yeah, you can hear me just <laughs> just have a crisis while watching other people have a crisis. It's perfect. Um, okay, 
big money, no skeletons. Three, two, one, spin. <laughs> 69. Nice. nice. <laughs> ah, it's the fucking, it's the funny sex number. Fuck. Oh, I want right. to tell you right now, that laugh was completely genuine. <laughs> All it right. feels important that people know that. <laughs> 69 is uh, Deep Throat 2. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, it would have been pretty good. What's above right. it and what's below it? 68, everyone. Just missed it. It's a shame. Is Chud 2? Oh, shit. It's that thing. Yeah. Bud the Chud? <laughs> yeah. And and right above that one, just for fun, is a VHS Viral, which sort of would have been apropos. Uh, another Mumblecore-based franchise and then 70 everyone just missed it was reanimator 3 oh that would have been fucking fun i think uh so what, what we got reanimators right at 69 expertly placed is the children's movie scooby-doo return to zombie oh. island <laughs> oh is that is that, is that is that the animated one like is yep Hell yeah, I like the original <laughs> Zombie Island. Let's let's do it. Rut row. Rut row ray. Zoinks! Do you think we're gonna get any full frontal male nudity in this movie? I certainly hope not. Although so this is the- our second animated Scooby-Doo movie. How did we not land on the live action Scooby-Doo movie? You know, the original Zombie Island goes to some pretty dark places. I wouldn't be surprised if uh you never know what you're gonna get, Corey. Yeah, there could just be like a bunch of huge dicks in that movie. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Another brisk runtime for the boys. How brisk? <laughs> Look at, uh, hang on, let me go to IMDb. IMDb is usually more accurate. Uh, oh, 73 minutes. Beautiful. Not even That's not going to count credits either. <laughs> so it's going to be shorter than that. Beautiful. That's okay, great. So- Everybody can tune in for that. In the meantime, Mitch, do you have anything to plug? (laughs) Whoa! What was that? Did you hear that? I'm sending 911 to his house right now. That's sound good. (laughs) I'm sending 411 also. I think he might be gone. Okay, what about you, Liam? Do you have anything you want to plug? I don't know. Jello, do we got anything we're going to plug? I guess not. Oh, oh, maybe. I guess, yeah, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys can check out my film writing alter ego, Graham the ha- I'm getting to it. Graham the Haunted Marshmallow <laughs> on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username <laughs> is, that's right, Graham the Mallow. Oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> you can uh, find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can go listen to MK PodQuest, which is a show I do with a friend, Neil, about all sorts of Mortal Kombat-related stuff. Uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest, the TV show we initially watched, is now streaming if you're in the U.S. So you can check that out, listen to us uh, talk about that. That's all over the place on the internet at MK PodQuest. Thank you all once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everywhere else as they made another one. 
You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast.gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and... Uh, this movie's not really inspiring me for a good joke for this one. Dang. And that's does Jello you know have anything? Uh, if the full frontal Mark Duplass nudity scene should have been longer. Uh, our fantastic new thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And you can check us here next week for more. They made another one?